0: Come
1: on, come on, come on. Oh, it's a big day, people. A big, big day here in the Typology Studio where I am sitting with my dear, dear pal, Anthony Skinner. I'm listening to Tall Angel Side A, his new EP and his single, Come On, Come On, Come On, yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, Ian Cron. How are you doing? Man, I am keeping the faith today. Tell me about it. Well, man, this has been a long time in the
2: making. Yes, it has. A very long time.
1: I'm loving this new track, man.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
1: I know how long I, and I can't tell you how many people here in Nashville have Mm. been waiting for this EP to drop, Tall Angel Side A. Yes, yes.
2: Super uh, excited about it. Today, right? Today, August 15th, it's out. And for our Typology listeners, of course, we're going to play the song Keep the Faith in Its Entirety at the end of this episode. And yes, Tall Angel, Side A is available everywhere music is sold or streamed, uh, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you can get it, it's there.
1: Man, let me just tell you something, folks, and this is This is legit. You know, you all hear Anthony every week, he's my producer, he's my co-raconteur here <laughs> on, uh, on, on Typology, but what you mm-hmm. don't know, perhaps some of you, although I think most of you have heard me talk about his ex- just extraordinary talents as a songwriter, as a mm-hmm. singer, as an artist, well, today y- you have to go onto Spotify, onto iTunes, wherever music is streaming and you gotta check out Anthony Skinner, Tall Angel Side A. Now check this out, Anthony. Right? So yes. this is dropping in in sort of uh, stages. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. So Tall Angel Side A, which in the single, come on, come on, yeah. come on, keep get, the faith. Keep yes. the faith. Which uh, I mean, I mean that's just the vamp out, but whoo it's big, right? <laughs> it's it's inspiring. So that drops today. Yes. It's three songs. Three songs. Yeah. What are the other two songs? Honey. Yeah. And to really love. Oh, I love that song. To really love. Yeah, yeah. Because you got that. You know what? You know you got that Barry White voice. In there. <laughs> so every time you sing like that, I I start to have. Uh, a, I just start to have feelings for you, uh, man. You know what I'm saying? You're
2: sweet. You're kind.
1: Yeah. And now side B. Yes. Drops in September.
2: In September. Three more songs.
1: Three more songs. Side C in October. Yes. And then side D in.
2: There will be a Christmas EP release in November and then the whole record with additional songs in February of 2020. So we're rolling. Music out month after month.
1: All right, everybody. Now, you listen to me. I, might, uh, I cannot commend to you enough this recording, right? Mm. Tall Angel, side A. It includes that beautiful song, Keep the Faith. And and you just you just got to go get it right, so you can go to Spotify, uh, you can go to iTunes and yeah. get it, purchase it there. Man, right. you know what? Everybody, can I just say something? Every now and then, when you find a great piece of music like this, yep. you know it's cool to stream. We know we want to get our music out, but don't sure. be afraid to buy it right I like the, yes i mean because songwriters man it's hard to make a living out there man
2: it is a different day and time for sure it
1: is so yeah. i mean you know for a little bit of love for your our producer and our friend mm. anthony you know don't don't be afraid to go out there and spend whatever it is a buck or whatever it is these days to uh, yes. buy something on itunes so listen you want to catch up with anthony on social you need to go to at anthony skinner Yes. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. On Facebook, you go to Anthony Skinner Music. Yes. Uh, check out his website, which is dynamite, Dot com. Yes. But most of all, go get this new three-song EP, which dropped today.
2: <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Ian. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Yep. Now, all that advertising? Yeah. It's going to cost you. <laughs>
2: I'm going to make you sit through this show,
1: which is actually not going to cost you nothing. Oh, man.
2: We're playing the best of for season two. Mm-hmm. And this is our second most listened to podcast in really? season two. Yes. Wow. Yeah.
1: I did not know that. Yes. But I understand why.
2: Yeah. It's a powerful conversation.
1: It really is. And and it, it this is one of the sort of unforeseen gifts that happens every now and then. You know, you can't manufacture mm-hmm. moments uh, in conversations. You can only steward them when they come on their mm-hmm. own steam. Yeah, They're, when they just appear and you're like, okay, everybody hold your breath, and let's hold the space and see if this conversation continues to mm-hmm. to really be magical. And mm-hmm. this was one of those magical conversations with Ryan Stevenson, songwriter, artist, uh, four uh, on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. But this, this episode is beyond four.
2: Absolutely. I was going to say the same thing. You know. One of those really special, almost transcendent moments we've had here in the studio.
1: It is magical. Yeah. So, folks, stick around for this one. This one is really big. It is. Almost as big as (laughs) Tall Angel, (laughs) Anthony Skinner's new EP dropped today. Yes. Brothers and sisters, don't you go away. Right now, my interview. With Ryan Stevenson. So Ryan Stevenson, welcome to Typology.
3: <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's I'm so, really
1: stoked. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, uh, it's such a joy to meet you and, and uh, to have you on board. Uh, and you began the show off, you, you, I asked you the question, like, uh, what do you want to talk about today? <laughs> and and you, you said something really beautiful. You just said, you know, I, I'd really just like to know myself more.
3: Mm. Yeah. For sure.
1: And how, would, how do you envision my oh, and the Enneagrams being uh, uh, an assistance to you on that journey toward understanding yourself more?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I think it really just kind of comes down to some of the tools, some of the, the elements of knowing your personality type and understanding a little bit more about what, what makes you tick and your idiosyncrasies and maybe your past and these things that have kind of kind of led me to this this very moment of my life I feel like sometimes and I'm speaking to myself I overlook a lot of those things and I'm and I don't even don't even really know that they exist or there is these tools or these specific pieces of criteria that would actually really help me be aware of I I wasn't even aware that that this even existed up until you know a year ago right and just kind of being on uh at this stage in my life i'm I'm not i'm getting a little bit older and i'm starting to i feel like discover myself Mm. in a lot of different ways um i have a couple kids now and we waited a long time to have kids but i have two boys now and i've been married for 16 years and there's just a lot that um has really played into uh a desire to just know myself more and and predominantly because of my past and how I grew up and things that have tormented me um throughout my life I'm just I think kind of a switch went off and mm. I just I just said I I don't want to always go around those same Cycles of dysfunction in those same old bends. Even though I have experienced a, a great degree of of healing and and some freedoms in my life, there's still uh, just some things that continue to torment me. And mm. I feel like just starting to dive into the enneagram and 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 know, be more aware of of things that just make us who we are. Right, could be pretty helpful.
1: Okay, that's great, man. And and I think. I think you are – you mentioned to me coming in here, you're, you're just about to turn 40, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that is an inflection point. You know, um, it is a season where I do think a switch goes off. Uh, and, you know, so much of the agenda of that first half of life mm-hmm. is worn out. Uh, you've either answered the questions of that first half of life, like, am I adequate? Can I succeed? Can I, can I do life well? Can I um, – you know, if I were going to use a, a, a biblical allusion, uh, I recognize that our audience isn't—not not everybody self-identifies as a Christian, but I think this is a universal truth, right? You sort of spend the first half of your life in the parable of the talents, mm. you know, like trying to dig up all the things about yourself that you want to capitalize on and, and, and birth into the world, you know, those unique things. And then—because there's a question, like, can I do it? Mm-hmm. And you want to answer that question. And the second half of the life is much more like the prodigal son it's It's more about forgiveness and and uh the journey toward home you know yeah. uh, toward connecting so it becomes really more a matter of the soul and the spirit mm-hmm. in the second half versus the first half, which is more about you know questions of adequacy does that
4: oh
3: totally absolutely and <laughs> I feel like when you say that it i can <clears throat> i can identify with that so clearly you know it uh I have spent a lot of time wanting to succeed and being ambitious and wanting to prove worth and to just um show people that I'm that I'm worthy of uh their admiration. Right. You know, if I'm being just real honest and transparent <laughs> and but now not that that's changed to a large degree, but I can definitely sense now it's like, I'm just, something has definitely began to switch in Mm -hmm. my mind. And it's, it's almost like a sentimental, I can't put my, I can't quite put my finger on what that is. It's more of a, well, I have two little boys and Mm -hmm. I'm a dad and I want to leave a legacy for them. And, um, I'm not so driven, like, by looking cool and because I'm I think I'm kind of coming to grips with the fact that I'm just not the 22 year old cool young hip looking guy I mean I'm 40 years old I'm six foot three or four red-headed white pasty freckly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well let's not take this too far yeah. saying, <laughs> I'm five foot seven and I'm all that
3: <laughs>
1: I'm actually I'm actually I'm short and yeah. I have that problem
3: I, I'm coming to grips with I'm not Visually appealing and cool, <laughs> 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 and, but but and hope but hopefully, if that if that were
1: the case, which I'm not sure, it's as dramatic as you say. But if you if if that were the case, that it's okay, mm. that that's what you are, right? Like that ordinary is all right. Yeah, you know. All right, so let's go back because I want to talk about this stage of your life and. You know, you mentioned coming in that you're uncertain if you're a three with a four or a four with a three. We talked a little bit about it, and uh, but and so maybe we'll kind of get there as we go along. You have a interesting—you alluded to, and I don't know what it is yet, the sort of a, a background or a story. All I know is you grew up in Oregon, and you were a paramedic for eight years, okay? That's basically <laughs> what I know, besides, you know, writing hits and doing all that stuff. So—but the question is— in in as short a way as you can, just knowing that we have a a you know set amount of time. Like, if you could describe the events and the just the story of your life growing up, and maybe how that has affected your perception of yourself in the world.
3: Sure. Well, I I grew up in a tiny little farming community in southern Oregon, out in the in the valley, um, surrounded by ranchers and farmers and dairy farms. And in that kind of setting, it was, it it felt like there was a pretty fine line of either wealthy landowners and ranchers and people who were owned the property. And then there was the other side of the spectrum, which was the blue collar workers. And I was, I felt like I, I mean, I was a family on the blue collar side. My dad worked for a dairy farmer. Um, We lived in a 940 square foot single wide mobile home, which was what my parents could afford at the time. And. We grew up pretty poor. It was, it was always a scraping by, but all of my closest friends, I was aware that we didn't have any money and that we were poor and that it was a stretch for my mom and dad all the time. Mm-hmm. I was very aware of that. But all my best friends, all my buddies were wealthy kids. And so I felt like I was always caught in this place of definitely feeling less I felt like I was the outcast. Like I could just never really live up to their Air Jordans and their Nikes and their, you know, a name brand stuff. I was, I was the generic goodwill hand me down kid. And, and it really, um, it started to become, well, this is who you are. You're the, you're the generic hand me down kid. And, and it didn't change. Like, you know, it just, kept getting worse as I got older into junior high and you're discovering your identity around your early teen years and high school. And, and another really huge piece of my emotional dismantling was, um, I didn't hit puberty. I was a super late bloomer and I didn't, I didn't grow or hit puberty till I was almost 19. So from the, I, I stayed the body physically of a fifth sixth grade boy all the way to my senior year of high school mm-hmm. and and just um feeling you know watching all of my buddies watching everybody and i went to a small little school there was 54 kids in my graduating wow. class so you yeah. had 54 kids in my english class <laughs> <laughs> so everybody we were very very familiar with one another um very well acquainted we knew each other's lives pretty intimately and for them to i felt like all eyes were on me Everybody knew, well, Ryan is not growing, you know, and it's embarrassing. And, and, and I felt like I just kind of became the brunt of a lot of mockery and, and some pretty decent degree of bullying. And, mm. um, and this was, and that's terrible. This was back in the day before, like bullying was really a thing. It was just like, well, suck it up and deal with it. Right. And so I just internalized all of that shame and all of that, uh, mm. just feeling inadequate and like the outcast, the, the. And so, that in a nutshell is that kid has been with me up until this moment, and his voice is in there mm. driving me to prove all those kids wrong, to tell, to show everybody. And again, I'm just <laughs> I'm being real transparent. Uh,
1: no, we appreciate it, man. Mm. That, that's great. Keep it's, going.
3: It's the it's the thing at this stage in my life, and it has been since then that continues to drive me and to succeed and to take care of my body now and to, to to keep such a strict diet and to work out and to try to be, you know, physically appealing and visually appealing to people and, and, and all those things because that, that voice, that kid, that seventh grader who got dismantled all those years ago is, is, has told me it's okay to get yours. Um, and now that you can do it and mm. prove them all wrong and make them all pay, make them pay for how they hurt you. Um, and so that's it's um, it's been an interesting journey yeah. for sure. And
1: what's interesting about it, because I actually experienced a tremendous amount of bullying growing up, too. And and I was a little kid. I was not particularly athletic. I was. Quirky, uh, poetic, uh, Mm -hmm. a big reader, um, which was not, you know, the popular pastime of a fifth most fifth graders, you know, and um, and I just, you know, I was just kind of a little misfitty, you know. Uh, But the the question I have for you is, like, um, how have you succeeded yet? I mean, like, in in proving those people wrong. I mean, are you satisfied that you have or
3: <laughs> I think other people around me would would tell me that I'm crazy and that I have achieved success and still, if I'm being honest i f- I feel like I'm so unsuccessful and mm. i I just feel like i'm I've done nothing but uh been overshadowed by all these other people. In my genre of music that are just so cool and so great and are such great singers and 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 very successful and you know um, i'm 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 don't get me wrong I'm very grateful and honored and so thankful for any success at this point in my life and there's definitely been some amazing successes over the last several years, and I definitely um recognize that and and respect it and love it and i'm so thankful Mm -hmm. and i can't tell you why i still feel unsuccessful Mm -hmm. i still feel driven to just do more is it that you feel um unsuccessful
1: or still broken
3: still broken for sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) see so it's interesting your language is both very three-ish and very four-ish at the same time Mm -hmm. you're you're evidencing very strong features of both types. And I, this is really important for our people because I think a lot of times people think, oh, it should be cut and dry. It should mm-hmm. be very, very clear. And uh, Ian or any other Enneagram teacher, if you can't help a person nail down their type in you know 20 seconds with your brilliant expertise based on your knowledge, then you somehow have revealed your, uh, your weakness or your inability or your, uh, your lack of mastery of the Enneagram. It's b- baloney. It, it really can take people a long time um, to to figure out their time, because it's very nuanced.
4: Mm.
1: It's very close, um, and as I mentioned to you earlier, that was my experience, I've seen it many, many times. Self-discovery is a journey, it's not a moment. <laughs> it's not a moment mm-hmm. in time where you go, I'm this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right, It's and it's always toward realization, right? Becoming real, really you, Re- really the mission you were sent here to do is mm-hmm. is something that happens it evolves. Your self is evolving. It's revealing itself as you go along, right? mm-hmm. and the enneagram can help accelerate that journey or clarify pieces of it. But it doesn't stop it once you know mm-hmm. your type. Yeah. You know that oh, would really. be a yeah a false. Okay, let's go back to your childhood because you, you 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 have described a you know a childhood that was poor, that was sounded like full of envy, right? Like about. Um, you know probably comparing yourself to others you know physically comparing yourself to others economically socially mm-hmm. uh maybe creating in you either a drive to succeed and a sense of self uh, of deficiency and sounds like both
4: mm-hmm.
1: right like absolutely both in play uh, so if you were going to name that story like in a memoir like three words you know or whatever what would the name of that memoir be
3: Oh, man, that's a tough one because <laughs> I'm a writer and I should be able to just pop that
1: out right now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Every time I ask this question, people look at me like they're a deer in the headlight. And so I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to think about it. What's the name of this memoir? The story that that, that of your life as a kid growing up until now? You think?
3: <laughs> well, I came up with two. Oh, good. <clears throat> no, but... It would either be what you don't see, mm. or behind these brown eyes. Oh,
1: what you don't see and behind these brown eyes. Now imagine you. This was a novel, for example, this story. What would the? What would the? Kind of the like like. Let me put it this way: the story that I heard was actually in something you said. So I'm not. I don't want to name your story, hmm. right? But I would have. One. The, if I were your publisher, I would say, well, maybe we, this here's another idea for a title. Hand Me Down Boy. Hand Me Down Boy. Mm.
4: Mm.
1: Or just Hand Me Down.
4: Mm.
1: Where, how does that land for you? Like truth. Mm. <clears throat> so here's a thought for you, an idea I have for you. <clears throat> or I'll start with a question. Have you ever felt like you were stuck in a story uh, that uh or have you ever felt like you are stuck in the wrong story yes to unpack that for me help me understand that
3: um i have felt at times, well i feel often that i'm golly, uh, that uh Maybe some of the decisions that I've made in my past, in, 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 uh, out of insecurities or, um, immature seasons of my life that, mm-hmm. you know, have either wounded people or, or wounded myself. And I'm still suffering the consequences of some of those things emotionally, relationally. Um, I wish I wouldn't have done those things. And I didn't, those things, it was like those things didn't need to happen. And now, you know, Years later, I wish that wasn't a part of my story,
1: okay, so does that make any sense at yeah mm mm-hmm. Yeah. so you're I guess what I would say is that um, this is this is sort of an interest I have right now um, that I think that our enneagram types I, I think well I think every person right um, has a story that they concoct in childhood very very early that begins to Make sense of their lives, we have to make sense, we have to find meaning right out of what 's happened to us right and uh, in order to do so, we develop narratives hmm. right and what we often do is we point to specific incidents in our lives that become emblematic of the whole, right, and we string them together like pearls on a string hmm. right, and that becomes the plot of our lives, and we interpret those stories in a particular way like this the, these string of story this string of stories um, if I were to add them all up tells the story of the guy behind the brown eyes or the hand-me-down boy or you know like the, all the different names of the memoir you might come up with you know you had another one I can't remember what was the other one that was
3: what you what you're not seeing what, what you don't
1: see right don't see. so and in many ways I want to ask you the question. Is that the true story of your life? Is that story true? It
3: feels true to me.
1: Great answer. Now, because it feels true, it doesn't make it true. Hmm. It just feels true. The question is, is it true? Is it really true? Is the story of the hand-me-down boy who's deficient, who needs to catch up with everybody's, you know, success and as you reflect on that whole journey, you've been telling yourself a story, a four story or a three story. We haven't kind of fit a three or four story for a long time. The question is, is the story you've been telling yourself and others about who you are true?
3: I, I don't know. I don't know.
1: That's a great answer.
3: And that's embarrassing that I literally can't say, no, it's not true because i want to well of course it's true but as we unpack some of this right
1: okay so let's let me let me put it to you this way we can't revise history those things actually happened. they are facts you did this they did this to you this has happened you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. all those things are facts can't change that that would be psychotic but is your interpretation of all those things Mm -hmm. true And what they mean about you in the world. Probably not. Probably not. Now, that's an amazing statement. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Right? I mean, that's an amazing revelation in some ways. I don't want to thrust that onto you as as something amazing. But I bet you if you think about that today or for a couple of days, like, is the story that I have written about who I am and the way the world is based on these events of my life beginning in childhood through today and the conclusions i've reached about who i am as a human being are they true (laughs) is my interpretation of that whole thing of my life is it true (laughs) you're smiling at me like where are we going (laughs) you're just where we go Mm -hmm. so right where we are right now yes sir what are you feeling and
3: thinking Um, tense like tension like uh, well of course I'm of course these things are true and of course like these things are a part of who I am and they've helped me survive
1: what Mm.
3: say that again these things have helped they've become a part of what helps me survive why
1: I mean it sounds like just based on your the way that you're talking about your life right now Here's what I'm picking up. There's a lot of self-prosecution going on. <laughs> There's a lot of shame, a lot of self-condemnation about things that have happened, uh, your perception of who you are. How has
3: that helped you survive? Sounds like it's killing you. Yeah, oh, it's it's a double-edged sword. It kills me and it and it and it dri- it kills me and it drives me at the same time.
1: Okay. Now, you self-identify as a Christian. Mm -hmm. Do you think the story God wants you to live in would alternately kill you and drive you at the same time? (laughs) Is that the story God wants for you? No. Okay. Well, that's a pretty big idea, right? Because but you are saying, that the story is helping you survive, when isn't the purpose of life to live, not survive? Mm -hmm. I mean— there's big difference between surviving and living, right? Does God want you to survive or live? Live. That means—this I mean, is training to me, right? Like, that means the story you're living has to be revised or your interpretation of that story. And you have freedom to do this, by the way. The story you're telling yourself, you can change the way that you read it and interpret it and therefore— how you uh, you can change the person, the identity. This is maybe as part of what new creation is. Like you can uh, reinterpret the story and exit on the other side of that with a whole different view of yourself in the Hmm. world. Living, not surviving. Yeah, That's a fascinating idea to me.
2: I'm in tears over here. That's beautiful. (laughs) Man. <laughs> well, so I, good.
1: I think it is true, and I think if you think about it, let's go back to the Enneagram for a minute, right? Like, these are stories. That's just a story. And what if the story's not true? What if you're not deficient? What if you're not hand-me-down boy? What if you're not the hidden guy behind the brown eyes that, that no one should see for God's sake? Or, or you know, I'll be... Death by a million shames, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what if? How would your life be different if that's the truth?
3: Oh, huge. Like, I, I wouldn't have chest pain. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't feel anxious all the time about. Um, I would. I. I feel like I would just experience such a degree of freedom and light. Heartedness hmm. and breathe.
1: So, what what I'm hearing there is you would experience uh, a deeper, maybe for the first time, sense of self-friendship. Yeah, uh, a sense of your life um, moving toward m- m- meaning, <laughs> not just let me get to the finish line. <laughs> And, you know, then pass on to some other glory. But, you know, in the meantime, let me just slog through this thing with a lesser story. That's a lesser story.
3: Hmm. If I know that there's people who don't like me, it makes me not like me. I don't. Does that make sense? Sure. Like if if I know that there's people who have been out of shape with me or that I've wounded or that think I'm whatever, it, I, I agree with it. Sure, because it's reinforcing and affirming the story you've been telling yourself for so long, right? And it steals all my joy and peace. Right. And then I have these moments where I'm like, no, wait, that is, I, I'm telling you, I do have moments of absolute clarity and peace where I'm like, you know what? That—that That is a lie. And then its it gets overshadowed and buried when there's a trigger of guilt or shame or uh, inadequacy, Mm. criticism. Mm. Like if I'm criticized at all on any level, like for example, if I hand in a song that I, that is, and as a songwriter, these are like my babies. I just, I just dumped my heart and soul and my passion and every ounce of just feeling into this song. Mm-hmm. And I hand it off to somebody to say, What do you think of this song? And to me, it's like, Here's, here's my baby, and it's beautiful, right? And they say, No, nah, it's not. It's like, like the walls come crumbling down. And <laughs> just that, like criticism telling me that I'm not good, it's just like lighting a stick of dynamite and it, it validates everything I've believed from seventh grade
1: it validates the story it perpetuates the story the story was birthed and it has remained sustained by your interpretation uh right of the all the events that came before it and it's like well here it is again yeah here's that here's the here's the hand-me-down boy again i handed it in and i got handed down yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean totally but what if you could interrupt the circuit on that story, and actually begin to say, it may feel true, but it's not true.
3: I would love that.
1: Yeah, me too, And I, <laughs> for you and for me, right? And I think one of the gifts of the Enneagram is, is it can provide you with some clarity about the story you're living in right now, hmm. how you can keep what's best about you, the wheat, and then figure out a way to throw out the chaff, mm-hmm. right? Because I would say that the key to enduring change is you have to change the story you're living in. Mm -hmm. And it sounds to me, the story like you're living in, which sounds, right now, we've gone from three to very four-ish in feel. I'm not saying that's what you are, but that's what the feel is, right? Mm -hmm. All this shame, sense of um, the triggering of shame, easy triggering of shame, brokenheartedness of... um, It sounds like you... At least at this moment in your life, you're spending a lot of time living in the past, looking over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. That's very four. Threes don't do a lot of that. They look into the future. Mm. It's always the future. I'm always looking into the past. Well, all right. Well, that's a good clue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> if and, my
3: wife was sitting right here, she it's her probably her biggest frustration with me. Really? Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me more about that. Is
3: because she just says you you live in the past and you won't move on from hurt. And you just live in it perpetually.
1: So, are you addicted to your suffering?
3: I don't know. What an amazing question. <laughs> I would love to never. I I hate suffering. I would love to not suffer, but it. As you as you talk about that, like it's such a familiar thing. That it almost feels better to get in there and like okay, well at least at least rethinking about those heartaches and that stuff right. feels so comfortable and familiar, almost like a friendly place.
1: Completely and and you know a question you might you know ask yourself uh, as you do your enneagram work as you you think about who you are is who would I be if I wasn't suffering all the time. like, Because a lot of times with fours, by the way, the things they suffer about are actually um, camouflaging what they really should suffer about. You know what I mean? It's like they get Mm. sort of hung up on the story of my suffering, and and then what actually is, is it's really hiding what the true suffering is that they're really afraid to look at.
4: Mm.
1: So it's really not really, the presentation, I'm not saying that isn't a source of suffering, it's just not the primary that's a little bit deeper gotcha you told me when you came in that you're you're you just started counseling for the first time in your life um would you be willing to share one what brought you to that place and then secondly what it is that you know you'd love to resolve or or what are you looking for in in counseling
3: um <clears throat> well i feel like what brought me to that place was uh just talking with some some friends who have been in counseling, who have really encouraged me. <laughs> friends who who know me pretty intimately. Like, buddy, you could you would really benefit from this. Like, this mm. can really help you. Just because we know you so well and we love you, and we just see the the tormenting things going on with you. How do they see it? Can I ask? Um, what you've just recognized, like just uh. This narrative, this like um, condemnation, self-condemnation, just feeling inadequate, uh, feeling like I don't don't measure up like I and I'm and that's not an act like I genuinely know that I walk into every environment thinking I don't belong here.
1: Again, very forward. did you hear that? I don't belong here. (laughs) You walk into situations and that's your immediate thing. And it's coming out of a story Mm -hmm. from the past. A story that you naturally – and you shouldn't condemn yourself for this. Every human being has to find meaning in the experiences and the events that happen to them in their lives. Because you have to – if you didn't, if you were unable to, we – if you were in my office, I would begin to suspect that uh, you were exhibiting some schizophrenic qualities. Because that's – essentially, you would not have a coherent story of self, (laughs) right? So, you, this is clearly not the case. So you have strung together stories, and by the way, I would bet that if you were to name to me the four or five incidents of your early childhood that helped form that story mm-hmm. for you, all of them would be negative. You're nodding at me and smiling. Is that <laughs> <laughs> for sure? Do you, Do you know why, by any chance, or what? Why? I mean, like for example, why didn't you string together the five great things that? You experienced growing up, all of which would have formed a more positive uh, view of who you are. I don't know. Because all of us have a negativity bias. All, all of us tend to remember those things about ourselves that are negative. Um, because um, as little kids, we tend to always, kids are little, little kids, three, four, five, up until teenage years, are fundamentally utter narcissists. The world is completely about them, hmm. and they become in their minds uh, – a, a little kid might and, – and we carry this into adulthood – would say, I am what has been done to me. I am – all of that defines who I am. Hmm. Uh, it's natural for a child to do that. A, they live in a magical world, and so the whole story – everything's about me. So all these stories – Things I've experienced, things that were said to me, things that were wounding, uh, all of these things, if you put them together, uh, aren't what happened to me. They are me. Hmm. So what I'm pushing back with you, against you on today, in a way that I hope is kind and and whatnot, and and what I would push against every single type on is, are you sure? Are you sure that's who you are? Hmm. Are you sure those stories, your story is the is the final word on on who you are? Sure. Because if you stop to think about it, Ryan, if you identify as a Christian, and I hope every type sees this in their, their lives, um, if the story of your life is, you know, I'm deficient, it's kind of unredeemable, the past, I'm stuck in this past that can't be changed. And uh and I just have to survive this thing. That story is an utter contradiction to the story of God.
4: Mm.
1: You are in the wrong story. (laughs) Mm. Golly. I mean,
3: is that a redemption story? That's, it's just so powerful. Like just when you say that, that truth that pokes through like light in a dark place, Mm. truly, you know, and it, it's little it's little nuggets and like truth and wisdom like that that are such an awakening like as we sit here like i can just feel this <laughs> awakening to hear somebody else say it that sees me as we're sitting here across the room from one another and you you, you don't know me well but you're like speaking these truths into my life it's um, it's incredibly healing because hmm. not a lot and don't get me wrong like I've had I don't want to paint a picture that I've had just some crazy doom and gloom life like I've had a I've had a wonderful life and wonderful people around me who have who have loved me um, but there's the brokenness and the 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 that that number one motivator of I feel like I don't belong overshadows it all and and when you when you speak about you're in the wrong story because because you're right the the cross the, the grace and mercy of Jesus what his, his life, his power um, his friendship, his, his guidance everything about who who Jesus is in my life, really should it it forces me to come back to the truth
1: right there's a kind of gravitational pull to that story right and at the same time a fear of that story because who would i be without this story of suffering i have lived in the wrong story so long and i would rather live in a wrong story than than endure the fear of losing my identity in the hallway between the room i'm in Mm -hmm. and the room i'm going toward right absolutely yeah because there's a lot of see this is a big thing is that, and you're bringing out so many wonderful things right like, so here's one one thing people have to understand that this journey is scary as hell
4: mm-hmm.
1: it is scary as hell to let go of an old story and to move into a new one because you in the middle of it are going to feel like I don't have a story <laughs> that's really scary and I it's like Henry Nowen had this great illustration right of the trapeze artist right trap. A trapeze artist once told him, who he interviewed, right, that there is a moment uh, when you're swinging and you have to let go. Hmm. And if you don't, you'll miss the moment uh, when the catcher, right, with their hands outstretched, right, uh, you'll miss that moment if you let go late, right? Or if you, he said, but the scariest moment is when you let go and there's this, Half a second moment, and you're in midair, holding nothing, before you can grab the other one, Mm. and that's the scary moment, right? And what you're describing, and, and I think what the enneagram helps us do is let go of an old story, but it is that one second between letting go and your higher power or God or however you want to talk about it grabs you, is many ways what prevents us from letting go. That 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 journey through the air is very very frightening. And, and it underscores the importance of doing this work in community. You know, our moment here is like we're trying to tease this out, right? We just can't do this without each other. And that's why, we have, why we're called into community, whether it's church or a small group, like where people can mirror to you, like to mm. ask good questions, like, is that really your story? Mm-hmm. So good. So Wow. You came in wanting to know uh, yourself more, (laughs) and you know what happened? I know myself more. (laughs) 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 Because I'm on the same journey, and I'm also on the Uh. journey of trying to let go of an old story and grab onto a new one. Unreal. Wow. Well, uh, will you come back? Of course. And we can just – you can report in (laughs) on where you are. I would love it. And so just in conclusion, maybe – uh, as all of us leave listening to this episode, right, regardless of type, to reflect on how did I end up in this story? Hmm. Is it true? Do I want to stay in this story? Do I want to die in this story? Uh, do, I want to, uh, do I want to take responsibility and uh, recognize that I have the power and the agency and the freedom to let go of the old lens or interpretation I have of all that's happened to me and all I've done. I can actually, I can't change the facts of it, but I can change the way I have interpreted it. Um, Is it possible, for example, Ryan, that you are not a victim, but maybe a hero? Hmm. Uh, Not a villain, but a guide. Those are very different ways of seeing yourself. And by the way, Nothing's stopping you from seeing it differently. I wonder if God sees your story the same way that you do. Hmm. Anyway, typology, friends. I'm going to close today with a different quote. It's uh, Mo Willems. I think I quoted this a couple weeks ago on the Don Miller podcast. It's one of my favorite quotes. He says, if you find yourself in the wrong story, leave. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. All right, people. We'll see you next time. Or actually, we'll... In conversation with you next time. Ryan Stevenson, how do people learn about you? Tell tell them that.
3: My goodness. Um, Really easy. You can find me anywhere on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my website, ryanstevensonmusic.com, or any of those other ones, at Ryan's Music. Awesome. Anthony?
2: Yes, sir.
1: Be yourself. Everybody Everybody else else is already already taken.
0: Another cloudy day Maybe we should go outside Anyway You never know what you could find What's the chance my hand you'll take Maybe we should go and walk In the rain Let your troubles just fall away Mm. You gotta trust me, darling, when I say I made it once before I made it through that storm So come on, baby, keep the faith Everything will be okay It ain't over till it's done I swear we're gonna see the sun What's wrong with getting caught in the Another day, so come on, baby, keep the faith. In everybody's life, a little rain is gonna fall. You're looking for the door, but all you can find a wall. And people can be hard in, troubled water is the world you swim in, when there's nothing left to lose, there is one thing you can choose, let me take you by the hand, baby give me your hand, together we'll find a way, I know we're gonna find a way. It ain't over till it's done Keep working till you see the sun Until the races run Until the kingdom comes.